Welcome everyone to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. I'm Dave. And I am Nathan. I'm we're the host of the Church Explained podcast, as always. And today we've been joined by Brandon Petty. And uh, Brandon is the lead pastor and planter of Generation Church in Portland, Tennessee. Brandon was in youth ministry for over 14 years and has spoken at many different camps and conferences. Brandon is best known for his passion and the ability to include humor with real-life application Mm. to his messages. His testimony of surviving trauma and abuse as a child and his powerful story of redemption and purpose helps him connect with leaders of all ages. Brandon and his wife Jessica moved to Portland in 2011 with their two daughters to start Generation Church, which was included in Outreach Magazine as one of the fastest-growing churches in America in 2019. So, Brandon, it's great to have you with us on the Church Explained podcast. Honored, honored to be a part. Thank you guys so much for asking. Oh, uh, yeah, so good to have yeah. you here, Brandon. And um, just like a little bit of um, your story there. We want to find out a little bit more of your story, of mm. course. And just wonder, we always like to start off our podcast asking this question, Brandon. Tell us, not, we wouldn't say Brandon to everyone, like, of course, but no, no. to you, <laughs> just to make clear, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your, your faith story, your ministry journey, a little bit about your background and family. I know you've said something in the bio. And uh, whether you want to go into that, we'll, we'll leave that up to you. Um, but yeah, we'd just like to find out a little bit more about you today. Yep. Sure, yeah. Um, I did not grow up in church. Um, my mother was, uh, she was pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And so um, she dropped out of high school to help raise me, worked several jobs. And wow. uh, and so, and then uh, a few years later, she uh, had my brother. And so we, we kind of, I grew up, I tell people I grew up in a house full of women. I was raised by uh, my mom, my grandmother, and my two aunts. And so I didn't know my biological father until I was 15. And uh, so, but my, uh, my mom, she, uh, she walked through a lot of different relationships when I was a child. And so we were moved around a lot. Anytime people ask me where I'm from, I just say yeah. Middle Tennessee uh, because uh, we, I pretty much lived in almost every city around in Middle Tennessee in the Nashville area. And uh, so w- with that came a lot of abuse, uh, whether it was physical, uh, sexual, emotional, verbal, all the things wow. from the time I was probably seven or eight all the way up until I was uh, 12 or 13. And so uh, by the time I was 15, my mother ended up in prison for drugs. And uh, so I had to move in with my aunt and uncle. And so I lived with them through high school. And I always tell people that um, uh, that in high school, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church every single <laughs> Sunday uh, by my aunt and uncle. That was one of the stipulations living in their home is that we had to attend church. And so I uh, didn't catch on right away. I, I actually, it was a small little rural church out in the middle of, in Kentucky, in a rural area of Kentucky. And uh, I, I could not stand church at all. And then, uh, man, God miraculously, when I was 18, uh, right after I graduated high school, yeah. uh, God just radically saved me uh, and changed me. And immediately I began working uh, in student ministry. Amazing. And I actually, uh, about a year later, when I was 19, started preaching the gospel and uh, started serving in student ministry. And I thought that I would be in student ministry for the rest of my life. I kind of envisioned myself being like in my 70s still preaching. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
people people were like, uh, you know, one day you'll have your own church, one day you'll be a pastor, and I would just, uh, in my mind, I would just be like, there's no way. Like, I, I would say <laughs> no to that in a heartbeat. But, of course, in 2010, January 2010, God started wrecking my heart to, to plant a church. And so by the by January of 2011, we had transitioned out of our church as youth pastors and began the journey to start building a team and planting a church. And then on March 4th, 2012, we launched Generation Church out of a little elementary school here in the city of Portland. And uh, we saw 482 people show up on our first day. And then six weeks later, we baptized 89 people at our first wow, Easter man. service. And so ever since then, God has just been faithful. He's been so good. And so uh, it's been a, an incredible journey, uh, one that has obviously came with its up and downs. I'm sure we'll jump into that and, and dive yeah. into that. Uh, along in our conversation, especially when it comes to um, some of the trauma and stuff that I spoke about earlier and how it came back to revisit wow. me in my adult years. Um, but yeah, so now not only did we start the church with our two daughters, but in 2015, my wife gave birth to our son. So now we have three kids. Wow. Wow. So I got two teenage girls, so need lots of prayer there. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and then, of course, I have an eight-year-old son who is awesome. just, uh, he, he kind of rules the rules the household. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I, I relate to the uh, youth pastor comment um, mm. where you think you're going to be in student ministry for the rest of your life. Because, uh, yes, I was youth pastor. And, yes, you do just think, do you know what, mm. I'm in it for life. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, the day comes where you're like, Nope, not in it anymore. And it's, uh, yeah. it's very different. Yeah. Uh, but also, Brandon, we love to ask this question. What do you do for fun? Oh, man, I, I absolutely love playing disc golf. Is disc golf very popular there? Is that like the uh, like with the, the frisbee? Frisbee, frisbee golf? Yeah, yes, except for yeah. here, if you say frisbee, you'll get, you, you know, you get attacked pretty All quickly. Right. Okay. Pretty, don't say frisbee you say this <laughs> and, uh, but yeah uh you know we have the 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 chains and the, the yeah. goals that you throw them into but uh wow. that's pretty popular with our staff but i love to work out i'm a big gym gym rat and then of course uh uh just just love any kind of outdoor activities i hunt fish camp those type things so mm. awesome so some some interesting stuff yeah. there man uh the yeah. disc what's it called disc what disc, disc golf, disc golf. This yes. goes, my apologies to all our American audience. Yeah, yeah. It's the conversation between soccer and football, isn't it? All uh, over again. Yes, yes. That's, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll say no more. <laughs> hey, great, great to hear about the church and, mm. and obviously God's blessing you there. And you're, you, as you've described that you've been working through some stuff. Lovely just to hear how God impacted your life at the age of 18, 19, just to, to take that sort of journey to follow him. I thought it would be good for us maybe just to, to get in a little bit now some of the questions around like how do you take care of yourself you've mentioned I know the the gym stuff but how do you take care of yourself as you think about the church and this growing church that you're leading mm. like, mm -hmm. like what do you do how do you take care of yourself your family your soul your team mm. well and interestingly enough um, I didn't even really do anything for that until I was until until about 2015 okay. we were like three and a half years uh, into the church plant. And it, it seemed like we went through about a year and a half of just trial after trial, which when I look back now, yeah. um, I really believe it was God leading me to freedom and to health in my soul. 
Um, my my wife's brother, she ended he ended up uh, he was an alcoholic and he ended up on uh, basically his deathbed. He was on one of these rotating beds. He had almost drank himself to death, and they told us three percent of people end up getting out of those beds. And so during that time, it was like three or four months of us at the hospital every single day with her mom, her brother, praying for a miracle, which we received. Uh, four months later, he ended up walking out of the hospital, wow. gave his heart and life to the Lord. Um, so that was an incredible journey. But also during that same time period, um, my father passed away and I had just began to restore our relationship as an adult. My, my son was just born and my dad never got to see my son. He had a sudden heart attack um, a few months after his birth. And uh, so that was kind of like a hard hit um, personally because I was still trying to figure out my father wounds and those type things. And to cap it all off, um, I told you guys about you know being a child at eight years old, um, being sexually abused. I was actually forced to watch pornography at the age of eight. Um, I don't know how raw this podcast is, so sorry if I get a little too. Yeah, no, go for it. Uh, sure, sure, sure you're uh, so, but when I was uh, about nine, the second person to sexually abuse me was a neighbor, and he was a 16-year-old male, and. Uh, so we come to church one day and we just we drive up as a normal Sunday and we're walking in and I encounter a volunteer who is setting up our parking lot. And after a few minutes of this conversation, I realized that um, the person that I'm having a conversation with is the person that sexually abused me as a child. Wow. And so it was like this. It was like a wave of grief that hit me in that moment of realizing man that the guy that abused me is is in my church right wow. and so i went through a three-month period of depression uh anxiety uh, i would have nightmares that my son uh, was going to be murdered or missing um and he was just a, a baby at the time and uh i remember i would just daydream about different jobs that i could take i was trying to figure out how i could offload this church to somebody else mm. um i basically just went through a dark dark time of uh just not figuring out like what's what's wrong with me what i would sneak in the back door of our church every sunday sneak out i didn't want to encounter people and uh, my wife had known a lot about my childhood, but not a lot of details. Sure. And so I knew one of two things was going to happen. I'm, I'm either going to probably make decisions that are going to disqualify me from ministry. I'm going to quit ministry or I'm going to get help. Like one of those three options. And so one day uh, we were getting ready <clears throat> to go out, me and my wife, and uh, I was so filled with shame over what happened to me as a child that uh, I couldn't even look her in the face. And so I was in the shower. She was standing in the in the bathroom getting ready. And I just began to pour out my heart. And I'm I'm uncontrollably sobbing at this point and trying to be make a coherent speech. And, you know, what's incredible, this is what I encourage people all the time, is that the thing that we hold in that we think is the thing that's going to make people ashamed of us or embarrassed of us, judge us, is actually the thing that leads to our freedom. Because once we confess it and get it out, it's no longer hidden in the dark and it yeah. can't continue to grow. Wow. And 
man, that moment, my wife loved me was such great. Actually, it, it grew us closer together once I was able to be fully vulnerable and transparent with her, which was incredible. <clears throat> and so uh, I know I'm kind of giving you guys the long version of this story. Go for it. But several <clears throat> it, several months into that, uh, lo- thank God I had a great network of pastors, friends, and networks around me who loved me and cared for me. And my wife encouraged me to reach out. And so I did. They paid for me to get counseling. They uh, they encouraged me to take some time off, which I did. And so I started going to counseling pretty heavy. I started reading books on sexual trauma. And uh, probably one of the things that kind of kick-started my soul health was I had a pastor friend who every year he did two weeks of a solitude sabbatical where he would just go off and he would just camp and fish and uh, – spend time with the Lord. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it looked like. And so he invited me for a few days to come and just be with him as he did that. And from that point in 2015 on every year, I I do that myself. I take a solitude sabbatical. And that first one in 2015, guys, I'm telling you, it was, oh my gosh, it, it was just, it was truly an encounter with God because I I had finally began a journey. Here's what I believe. I believe a lot of people experience survival in their life, Mm -hmm. but never fully experience victory. And what I had come to realize is I had survived a lot as a kid, Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't have victory over hardly any of it. And I think we, I think we think that sometimes time will erase our pain, yeah, um, and I, and I believe why we think that is because we think that our past will never come knocking on our door in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what what really struck me was that I never expected my past to show back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't just show back up emotionally or mentally; it showed back up physically. <clears throat> the person was standing right in front of me. Yeah, wow. And uh, I'll never forget what my counselor said. He asked me this strange question that I thought was a strange question from a counselor. He said. Do you think you can whip this guy? <laughs> and I was like, you know, this is a weird turn into the session. And yeah. I said, I said, well, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but yeah, I mean, I can whip him. <laughs> he's, he's older than me now. You know, he's a lot older than me. And, and uh, he said, well, then you need to go tell your 10 year old self that you're safe. You're good. Mm. And I just remember thinking like I hadn't realized because he, he, he explained, he said, the reason why you're having these dreams about your son, the reason why, you know, you're, you're walking through this um, is because the moment you saw him, you reverted back to that nine or 10 year old mm. that, that and you were experiencing wow. as an adult through the eyes of that child. Wow. And he's like, you need to tell that child you're OK. And uh I'll never forget leaving that session. I sat in my car and I just, I just chose, you know, cause people kept trying to give me all the advice in the world. You should kick him out of the church. You should do this. You need to sit down and have a conversation. And the hard part is, is it wasn't just about me and him anymore. He had kids, he had grandkids, wow. you know, he had like relationships. And so like, do I bring this to light and then start affecting all these other relationships or do I go on this? Because because it wasn't even about him and I. What I came to realize is it was about my own journey toward finding healing in my soul. Mm. And so from that point forward, um, I began implementing slowly um, 
because I read the book, um, The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg on that mm. first sabbatical. And man, it led me down this beautiful journey to establishing practices of Sabbath, of solitude, silence, prayer, like really creating space and margin in my life to be in the presence of God. Cause I'm, I mean, I'll be ashamed to say and, and tell you guys, like, I think a lot of pastors, cause I did it, um, will lead their churches for a long time off of their gifting. Mm. Um, but eventually your character will catch up and your soul, your, your essence, your being, or your ethos as that word is, is described in the Greek, it will, it will eventually come out and reveal what's really hidden within. And I'm grateful that God took me through that journey. Um, because I tell people like, if it wasn't for that moment, I don't know where I would be today. I don't know what my marriage would look like. I don't know what, uh, the church would look like. Um, and so for me, not even now, uh, it's morphed into where eight years later, I just did my first silent retreat at a monastery. So silence and solitude have become a, a big part of my soul health. Uh, the sabbatical once a year has been a big part. Um, I do at least two retreats with other pastors and leaders every year, getting ready to go to Montana in May for a pastor's retreat where we'll just, uh, you know, we'll fly fish and, and spend time in Montana. And so, uh, that and prayer has, it's vital. And so my, my first two hours of the day are spent in, in prayer in the word and silence um, so to, to answer your question in the long form, um, those are the ways that I take care of my soul yeah. is just being in the presence of God as, mm. as often and consistently as I can be and making that a, a routine and a habit and a practice of my life. So, yeah. well, just want to firstly say thank you for mm. sharing, uh, your story with us and that story, I believe that'll, um, just be uh, helpful to other yeah, people I'm around there. Yeah. I wonder if you mm. just um, paint a little bit of context of uh, what was happening in the church. So obviously you mentioned you were coming in and out, but was the church still growing? Was it uh, still moving forward? So ironically, about year three, when all this started happening is when our church plateaued and started to decline a little bit. Mm. And um, about a year and a half later, so by 2017, um, the church started growing again. And wow. I tell, I tell people the moment I got healthy is when the church started to get healthy. Yeah. And, um, and I'll never forget what my counselor told me. He said, um, once you walk through this and find healing, he said, you'll become a better communicator of the gospel. Mm. He said, now you have tasted grace yeah. tangibly firsthand of what it's like to forgive of what it's like to show grace and receive grace. And so um, I truly believe that that was a turning point in my life and the church's life. And uh, even five years later, you know, what we're experiencing right now, I tell people, this is the harvest of a field that God had to plow in my own heart five years ago. I I think sometimes when we're walking through a season of blessing, (laughs) we think it would just, it just happened overnight. But really, it's cultivated with seeds of prayer, with seeds of healing, with seeds of repentance and confession. And those things come to fruit in our lives much later than we anticipate. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's some great stuff you've said there. And uh, as Nathan said, yeah, thanks for sharing your story and being so vulnerable uh, before people because mm. I, I think it will really help people. Yeah. We, we don't know who's listening to this podcast and uh, sure. we pray it will just help them as well. Yeah. Just to hear your story. And, and that story of redemption mm. is mm. an ongoing story, isn't it? God helps us and works in our life. One of the things you said there, well, there's a couple of things I just want to pick up on. Yeah. One is you, you, you mentioned this idea of like when you got healthy, the church get healthy. I think that's essential. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then the other thing you've mentioned is this idea of creating margin. I, I wonder mm -hmm. if you could maybe speak into that a little bit. One, um, like you, you've mentioned about your journey of getting healthy, what would you encourage people to do? And, and two, how, how do you practically create margin on a daily basis? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, those are great questions. Um, and I think the simple answer is start somewhere. You know, I think a lot of people feel like when it comes to, you know, prayer time, margins, that, you know, it's like they try to bite off more than they can chew um, in the beginning. I love this story. I don't know if you guys have heard this story, um, but it, th there was a, they did this um, study and they introduced a bicycle that when you, turned left with your with the handlebars the the wheel actually turned right okay right. And, and and the study was to see like how long it would take somebody to relearn to ride a bike right and so this gentleman hops on it takes him eight months wow. to learn how to ride this bike right and then the kicker was they gave it to his young son and do you want to guess how long it took his young son to ride this bike? Eight minutes. Well, it took two weeks. But the point was, I, I was just going for a number eight there. <laughs> no, no, I get no, but, you, but, but you understood where I was going with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, the longer we create habits in our lives, yeah. the longer it takes to deform those habits. Sure. And so when somebody is starting out, you know, you can't just say, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to get up because it did. It started with gradual stuff for me. I'll tell you, I used to be the most unorganized person. I was the person that couldn't, I would hit my snooze 48 times before I got <laughs> up in the morning. But, but now, but now, you know, I'm a person who gets up at 4 a.m. on the first time the alarm goes off. Um, there's a great book called Atomic Habits uh, mm. by James Clear, but it really is creating the habits that lead to the habit, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, I, I get ready for my day the night before. Mm. Um, I, I establish routines, that, and that took time, and there was times where that wasn't perfect. And so what I had to do, what I would encourage people is, like, start slow, start somewhere, give yourself grace. Mm. And I think we underestimate what can be done in a long period of time. And we overestimate what can be done in a short period of time. Mm. And so what people tend to do is go, man, I want to be, you know, it's everything in our culture is about quick fix. I mean, you've heard probably of like a uh, whole, you know, 30 days to wholeness or yeah. you know, fit, fit in 40. Mm. Um, and so I told our church, I'm not trying to get you 30 days to wholeness. I'm trying to get you 30 years to wholeness. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And so what can my life look like in a year? If I stay consistent with these small practices yeah. and then and then add on to it. So maybe instead of saying I'm going to get up two hours earlier, say I'm going to get up 20 minutes earlier mm. and and here's how I'm going to spend that 20 minutes. And here's how that's going to play out. And then after six months, add another 10 minutes. 
you know, and so sometimes you have to set the goal and then work backwards. You know, if, if the goal is one day I want to get up at 4 a.m., but you right now you get up at 7 a.m., well, then maybe you need to back it up to 6 and then after a year, back it up to five and then back it up to four, you know, because the whole point shouldn't be getting up early. The, mm. the point should be that I'm becoming a person who who spends the first part of their day with the Lord. Yeah. And if that becomes my goal, then all the other stuff becomes that's trivial anyways. And it really isn't, you know, because you can be a morning person and still not be a person who starts <laughs> their day off correctly yeah. or starts the day off in the right mood. And so I think for a lot of people, it's understanding, like if you have spent the first 30 years of your life getting up at the last minute, pushing the snooze button 10 times, that's not going to fix itself in a month. Um, and so to to start practically, it starts small, start somewhere, give yourself grace. And eventually you don't want to just give yourself margin. You want to become the kind of person that creates margin. And that's the difference in the mindset. You know, it's not just doing the stuff, but it's becoming the kind of person yeah. that does those things. Brilliant. Hey, well, thanks for sharing those. Yeah, Brandon, yeah. it's been so great to have you awesome. on the podcast. What's the best way for people to connect with you? Sure. Um, uh, if people are interested, I have a podcast yeah. called Made to Win. It's a good podcast. And, uh, you can go to madetowinpodcast.com if you want to engage there. You can check that, right. that out at also on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. That's B Petty GC on Instagram and, of course, Brandon Petty on Facebook. So those are three of the easiest ways right. to connect with me. Right. And we'll stick those in the show notes. Yes, we will, yeah. And, uh, awesome. well, like we said, Brandon, it's been so great to have awesome. you on the podcast. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And remember to support what we're doing. Remember to share, subscribe, leave review wherever you're consuming this content. Don't forget we have uh, a whole load of resources mm. for you and your church at icon.church forward slash open. But we look forward to seeing you next time on the Church Explained podcast. We'll see you soon.